Welcome to It's Like This. My name is Laura Seifert, and I'm an author, a teacher, and a speaker. But truth be told, I'm just an everyday woman looking to find God in everyday life. Throughout the Bible, Jesus would take profound truths and he would teach those to his followers through everyday examples like, God is like a shepherd caring for his sheep. And God spoke the language of his people because many of his followers at that time were actual shepherds. And just like back then, today, God enables you and me to discover him in our everyday lives. He speaks to us in our own language is what I love to say. So where do we find him today? Where do we feel God's presence or see his power or enjoy his creation and stand in awe of his wonder? Well, listen along and you'll see. It's like this. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. We're back for another episode of It's Like This, Conversations with Laura Seifert. Today is really sweet for me because I have two guests in the studio with me, Tina Rohr and Shelly Hernandez, both dear friends of mine, but both public school teachers. Shelly's an occupational therapist in the public school system, and Tina is a what grade? Kindergarten. Hi, girls. Welcome. Say hi to everyone. Hi. We're super glad that you're here. Here's the heartbeat behind this conversation today. It is not so to persuade anyone to educate your children in any way other than how you see fit and the way God has told you to educate your kids, whether that be homeschooling or private school or public school. What I am finding, and for those of you that know me, you know I am on the school board in my hometown where we live, and public school is a passion of mine. And what I have loved by watching both Shelly and Tina move within the public school system is they are girls that love Jesus. And that bleeds into their work, just like it bleeds into my work as a pastor, my sister who's in the healthcare industry. And I just have loved watching them. And so I invited them in today to have a conversation because I think now more than ever, there's a lot of fear surrounding public schools in particular. And good parents want to do the best for their kids. And I think there's a rhetoric going around of like, you know what, the best thing for my kid is to pull them out of public school to protect them. And maybe that's true and God's leading you that way. But if it's motivated by fear, I think you're going to be encouraged today. I just wanted to talk with them a little bit about how they follow Jesus in the environment that they work. So with that being said, Shelly, I'm going to start with you. Tell us a little bit about how you got into teaching. Well, um, and tell me what you do. What does occupational therapy look like in the school system? So, yeah, I'm an occupational therapist. So I work in the schools with kids with special needs. Um, It's a variety of, of diagnoses with that or eligibilities in the school system. Um, but I got into that to be perfectly honest. Um, I wanted to help people. So when I was in high school, I knew I wanted to help people. So when I was looking at career options, I met with a counselor and this just sort of came up. I had no idea what it was, never heard about it. And I thought, oh, oh, occupational therapy does everything. I can can do anything with anybody. That's what I want to do because I don't want to be pinned down to one thing. I don't want to be a physical therapist because that just helps with walking. (laughs) Yeah. I want to do it all. Um, and so, so I went that direction, but getting into the schools, um, just really, if I can be honest, I, I wanted to be a mom and I really wanted the schedule of a school district, you know, I I love that. I wanted to be home in the summers. I wanted to be off on spring break. I just thought it was such a great balance to be a mom and to love children. Um, I was drawn to special education. Um, 
I remember my first uh, memories in elementary school of being paired with some children uh, who were deaf and hard of hearing. And um, I remember being, in my perception, one of the only students who gave them Valentine cards. Oh, wow. Um, and we had we had a great friendship during that time. And even from that age, I knew this is what I want to do. Mm. I want to work with I want to work with people that are different, kids that are different. And so that has always stuck with me as being sort of a major life moment to be where I am today. And, and so it. tell me how, as an occupational therapist, because you're on multiple campuses. Yes. So what does a day look like for you? What is that? How does that play out? Do you go in and pull a kid out of the classroom and give them special uh, work? Like, how does it work? Yeah, it just depends. Right now I'm working with early childhood. Mm -hmm. So I work with children that are age three and four that um, have been identified um, as a student with needs. Um, and then I also go to the junior high and the high school. So I kind of look at my life or my work life as like bookends. Yeah. <laughs> I get kids at the very beginning and I see kids at the very, you know, end of their high school careers and graduation. And, um, my days are different this morning. I can tell you, I was in an early childhood class and I was helping kids unpack their backpack and hang it up and find their name. And, you know, we were using all of our upper body muscles to do that and unzip their backpacks and take out their lunch and put things where they need to go. Um, and then I went to the next class and we were working on handwriting together. And then I went to the next class and we were working on um, feeding breakfast and holding a spoon and doing those things. So it's just, it, the, it varies um, on a daily basis of what we do. A lot of times, I stay in the classroom and support kids with what they're doing in that environment. And then there's sometimes that they need special one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. intervention if they're learning something fine motor wise or self-care wise that we can work on together that we'll do, you know, in a separate place. So that's why I wanted to talk to Shelly and Tina. Tina, I'm going to let you introduce yourself in just a second. But you'll Shelly's all over the schools in all ages. You see them all. Tina, you're in a classroom. So tell us a little bit about what you do and how you got into teaching. Did you feel a call of God on it or how did it come about? So um, originally my actual degree is in, um, I had a degree, I have a degree in Bible and Christian ministries with emphasis on children's ministry. So I just came out of the womb wanting to be a mom and work with kids and um, started teaching early on before we had our own children and then stayed home to raise our own babies and then when my youngest went back to school, we kind of had a medical crisis in our family and I quickly needed to find a way to get some good income. And mm -hmm. so I went into teaching, get income, you know, that's yeah. good income. Well, teaching. my goodness, is it ever, <laughs> especially yeah. when you're starting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I went into the classroom and what better place to be a glorified mom than working with kids all yeah. day long. And so, so you're kindergarten. Kindergarten. And I've taught, um, yeah, so I've done... I used to do ESL pullout, which is English as a second language from kindergarten through high school as well. But most recently I've done kindergarten and first. Oh, I love it. Yeah. This is what I love too. The whole theme of this podcast is just helping women and men that listen, discover God in unexpected ways. Because I think that's a key form of discipleship is if you can just find him in your everyday life, that's going to help the scripture that you're studying come alive. And so I just love that, that both of you didn't set out necessarily and go, I really wanted to be a teacher. You really want to be a mom. And then God knew where you would end up. And so unexpectedly, you both find yourself in a public school system, Yeah, which is fantastic. Can you speak to, do you feel like the culture or the climate or kids are different 
post-COVID, we're now, I just am thinking about this question as I'm talking to you. So we're on the heels. It's 2023. Kids are back. No one's wearing masks. It feels like normal. But what are you seeing in in with your kiddos post-COVID? Is it a different environment that it was pre-COVID? Oh, for sure. Tell me how. Yeah. Like, Everyone has, I think we can all agree that everyone has gone through trauma. There was Mm -hmm. no one spared from that. I would agree. And so it's exhibited itself in different ways. We've seen a great increase in anxiety, um, depression, even in the littles, you know, just across the board, there's just been an increase in that. We were talking earlier that kids really at the root of it are the same, Mm. but everything that they've been handed and what's going on now is so much more on their plate and at a faster rate. And then the things that they have to face is so much heavier for them to carry. And so that puts a different burden on us on how to walk them through that as well. Totally. What are you seeing, Shelly, with the secondary kids, older kids? Yeah, 100%. um, I definitely see a difference pre and post COVID. Um, And I would agree to that, that the anxiety, the nervousness, the depression, um, I've see kids who feel more isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, I think over COVID, because we relied on technology so much to connect to students and to children, that they ended up finding these other outlets um, through technology, through the internet, through um, you know chat rooms and support groups online um, to to feel like they belonged mm. when they were isolated at home, and so that became their community of belonging. Wow! And some of these kids they don't even know who those people are. And so um, I think that that has carried over now being back in school for some of those kids that connected in that way. And now they're struggling to find how they connect back in person. Yeah. So I definitely have seen Like it was an artificial connection, but now there's this authentic, how am I going to relate to this student who's right here and having a disagreement over, you know, a toy or a activity you're doing. Right. Um, and when you wow. can't have technology be the buffer between mm-hmm. that, you know, you're relying on your own personal social skills and your own personal problem solving. And, you know, that was on hold for a long time mm-hmm. for wow. people because they weren't, we weren't doing play groups. We weren't, yeah. you know, meeting for ice cream and snow cones and, you know, all those yeah. fun things. And so they, they've had to, they, I feel like their communication styles and patterns and ability to engage is, is very different. Gosh, that is Fascinating. We saw there was an increase. One of the high school counselors shared this with our school board, a 40% increase in anxiety and depression and suicidal ideation among students just since COVID. And I agree with you, Tina. It is like we're all coming out of trauma. And one of the things that I saw happen in our country is during COVID and with election stuff going on and just there, there, to me, it feels like there is more division or polarization in our country than I've ever experienced in my 50 years of living. But also among believers, it feels like there's a big polarization. And what I'm seeing from my vantage point in public schools is there's this desire that parents, some parents have, to take it back. And there's a fear of our kids are, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say, is there's this fear of if we tolerate too much, we tolerate everything and people, it's going to be anarchy. And so let's hunker down and get real specific about what they can read and how they can interact and what we teach. And it's just feeling like 
and again, uh, this is just from my limited vantage point, but it feels like um, it doesn't feel healthy. Let me just say that. Do you guys, does that even make sense what I'm saying? I don't even know. But it just feels like, I, that's why I wanted to talk to you because it's like, I can't even put my finger on it, but the temperature in public schools is different and it's hot and we've got to love kids more than ever. But what I'm seeing is Christians, a lot of Christians are like, here's how we love them. We fix them. And we fix them by telling them this is who you are and this is who you are not. And so I've got to do this. Do you feel pressure as teachers or do you feel that happening? To fix kids? Yeah. I don't feel pressure to fix kids. I feel the importance of loving them in their mess. Right. Regardless of what that looks like. Yeah. That's what my calling is, is somebody's, these kids are going to walk into my room and my only job is to love them, whatever that looks like. Um, And to build relationship with them. Right. Build relationship with the kids and the parents, which has become more difficult. And what happens, Tina, if you or Shelly, to either one of you, what happens if you have a kid come in and this kid is as far away from your belief system as a believer, as a Christian, as they can get, and their parents are too, what do you feel as a as a Christian in the public schools? Do you feel a pressure that somehow you've got to make them conform or you've got to no. fix? No, not at all. No, not okay. At all. I, not at all. Yeah. No, my, my, and it's not even my pressure, but my calling is I want to be a safe place for right. them. However, they're processing what they're processing. I just, I want to be safe. I want to be a person that they can, they can look to for comfort. Right. And ex- I mean, yeah. Right. And I love that you say that a safe place for sure. I always want them to feel safe when they come into our classroom, that they can be whoever they, whoever they are, whatever that looks like, and that they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I love them and want the best for them. Love that. I want the best for them as a student, and I want the best for the parents, mm-hmm. and that we're on the same team. We're working together to provide the best learning environment for this child, or raising them up to be the best person that they can be, whatever that looks like for them. Um, so, yeah. I think I think that's our calling as Christians in whatever sphere of influence we have, whatever it is for, you know, like I mentioned, my sister Catherine works in the healthcare industry. I am in vocational ministry. Like we all have different spheres of influence, but I think as Christians, it gets really, really simple. And for me, COVID was a sifting process for me. And it sifted out some things that I needed to let go of. And it got me back to kind of a simple rootedness in the gospel of Jesus is just love God and love others. And and I liked earlier we were talking and um, Shelly had pointed out, it's not that we're condoning, like we can still have our differences. Right. And your own convictions and beliefs. Right. But that doesn't mean that I love you any less. Right. And so I don't have to agree with that, but I'm but I'm certainly not going to stop loving you. I mean, that's what right. beyond a sh- that's what we're called to do, right? right. It's just to love mm-hmm. and and to have grace and to have mercy, and um and so it's it, we can live with our differences. Yeah, yeah. even in that, I so, think that's so good. Go ahead, Shelley. Well, I was just going to say, but what I love about working with kids is they're really good at um, simplifying that. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, they're really good at at, um, at being able to look right at you and know if what you are saying to them is really truth. If you're what, you, if how you, they know when they look at you, how you feel about them. You know? 
and and there's there's no there's no there's no show there's no pretend like it's it's very authentic and so if you come at you know if I'm with a kid and they're gonna know if I'm being true or fake you know Um, and so it's 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 great and being able to hold me accountable too that I love you and I want you to know how much I love you and care about you because I do I want you to feel want you to feel like this is a safe place to be who you are because we're not going to be able to make any gains um if if we don't have that mutual relationship. Yeah. And I a friend of mine shared this with me that her counselor shared with her that all of us have when we come into this world we need four critical things to be seen, to be safe, to be secure and to be soothed, mm-hmm. soothed. Mm-hmm. And I was just sharing this with a group of teachers um, uh, last week is that by doing so, we don't, we're not coddling kids. We're not hindering kids from reaching their potential. You're creating a safe environment for a kid to thrive. Mm -hmm. And I just have seen that with both of you. And I think public school is getting a bad rap lately and there's fear and understandably so. Listen, my kids are 16 and 14. And so in a lot, there's just a few limited years left. But if I had a kindergartner, I may feel the same way. But I'm seeing a more pronounced fear among moms of like, to protect my kid, I need to remove them from this melting pot of diversity that I can't control. And I'm not sure if they're going to be advocated for, if there's going to be anybody there that believes like I do. I don't know all the things, but there is a greater fear. And I'm seeing more and more parents at the crossroads when their kids are about to enter into kindergarten of going, do I do public school like I always thought I would? Or should I pull them out to protect them? What would you guys say to that or encourage any any encouragement you would have? Yeah, you know, so I think we talked before. I'm a firm believer in, in if the Lord is calling you to homeschool, I think that's amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I shared, I, mm-hmm. I would have loved to have homeschooled when I was, you know, when my kids were littler. Um, I really wanted to do that. Um, you know, we had some family conversations and decided not to, um, and that's okay. Um, but I, I completely understand that urge and that drive to be at home with your kids and to be, um, in those early formative days of learning. Um, and I think that's amazing. But what, but what I, what I want to say too, is, you know, public school, I think it's your intent of, of what, why you want to keep them home. If you feel like the Lord's leading you, that's fantastic. If you're keeping them home because you're fearful or you mm-hmm. want to control all the information and all the mm. things, I think that that can be a slippery slope. I yeah. think it'd be a little dangerous. Um, what I, what I want to say is, um, I think it's public school and the diversity of all of those things that have created such rich conversations at home for my family, when my kids come home and say, you know, so-and-so told me this, or this is what I observed today, or this was the interaction that I was able to take part in. And we can talk through those things with our children, mm-hmm. with our beliefs at home, and be able to, to come to some good, you know, we have good discussion points about that. And I don't think that if they were at home sheltered from that, that we would have had such rich discussions with authentic situations that they have personally encountered. In real time. In real time. I could have talked them through, hey, these are things that are happening in the world. Hey, these are things you might see. But it's very different when they're in the midst of it to experience their own thoughts and to come home and say, well, this is what I was thinking about that. What do you Mm -hmm. you think about that, Mm -hmm. mom? 
and being able to say that and encourage them, you know, if, if our differences, if our opinions are different, that that's okay. But my, our message at home is, is still, well, we're still going to be kind. Right. We're still going to be loving. We're still, these, this is where we stand on that issue, but we still love one another. Yeah. We're still compassionate with one another. And, and I think my kids have been able to take that back into the public school setting and they've been able to be, I hope, a light to their friends around them and they can see the differences, you know? Yeah, I, so well said. I love the way you just worded that. Go ahead, Tina. Were you about to say something? No, yeah, Yeah. we, we're of the same belief. We have four, Shelly has four, we have four kids and parenting for us has changed dramatically from my Mm. oldest to my youngest, even though we're all in the same family. What's the the age span? Your uh, oldest? 10 years. So So how old's Elena? 24. And then Nate is? 13, 11 years. Okay, yeah. yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, so just the things that we dealt with with the oldest compared to him, um, you know, it's dramatically different, especially with cell phones. I mean, uh-huh. it's changing so rapidly. And social media. And and I can't glean, in, you know, wisdom from older people mm-hmm. and ask them, how did you do it? Because they didn't even have phones. Right. They were parenting. So um, it's just changed so much. But we, both my husband and I are educators. And when we discussed homeschooling, he said, absolutely, we're going to homeschool. We're going to homeschool and go to public school. And so I like that. We always wanted to be able to um, have that protection, if you will. I mean, they're in school, but then they come home and they're in our home and we can talk about the biblical truths of what happened that day. I can't even begin to come up with or play out what you may encounter. It changes so much. I have no idea how I can parent you in this situation or this situation because I have no idea what's going to happen. But I do know that when you come home and you tell me what happened, then we can talk through that and speak truth into that. And how would, how are we going to respond to that as believers and Mm -hmm. followers of Christ? How are we going to bring about his kingdom in that situation? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, we always believed that we're going to homeschool, but we're also going to go to public school and in hopes that it will be preparing them for when they actually do leave yeah. our nest. Yeah. I, Tim Keller is a theologian, pastor, someone that um, said this. He moved years ago when his boys were really young. He felt a call to move to New York City and start a church in Manhattan. And he talked about this on a podcast I listened to that he got a lot of pushback from friends of like, you're going to actually do that to your boys. You're going to take them to New York City and raise them in that cesspool of a city with God knows what that they'll encounter and just spoke really some really harsh words to him. And his response I thought was really beautiful. And it speaks to, I think what we're saying today is he said, what better way for me to help them navigate this world from a biblical worldview than to walk holding their hand in the middle of it in yeah. real time. And to Shelly's point, I, I feel the same way with my kids. When they come home, they're not just coming home with, uh, Johnny was mean to me. They're mm-hmm. coming home and saying, Johnny is now, uh, is wanting, is dressing differently and asking me to call him he and uh, she. And like, we're dealing with things that, that I know I didn't really deal with when I was growing up. And kids need to be able to process this safely. And what does it look like to love each other and just go, you know what? Let's get to know the soul of 
Johnny, let's get to know who this is just because Jesus would do the same thing. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, I just thought, I I just wanted those that are listening today to feel encouraged that God has placed believers in the school system that aren't in there in the school system with the onus of I've got to change people. I just want to love people. And you two are just bright examples of it. I would love to hear from you if you can think on your feet. This is probably an on-the-spot question. But has there been a tangible way that you exude or you try and extend the love of Christ tangibly in your class? Tina, I'm thinking of you because Shelly mentioned to me that you your kids line up outside of your, before the class starts. Yeah. Can you t- can you talk when they come in every morning? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I love this. <laughs> I love this. You want the kindergarten version, huh? Yeah. yeah. Every morning when they come in, I sing a song over them. <laughs> oh my gosh. And no, but gre- before that. Before that, they line up outside they your line classroom. Up outside. I've witnessed this, so <laughs> I can speak to it, but they all know the routine to Miss Roar's class. They stand outside your door, and if Miss Roar's busy, then they um, they wait, and then she comes and, and greets them, and they all wait for their hug before they come in, right? Yeah, before they come in the class, yeah. yeah. And I'm just singing over it if they come in, yeah. What do you sing? Oh. Whatever, does it change? No, or is it the, the same, same song? every day. Oh, what is it? <laughs> good morning, good morning, good morning to you. Good morning, good morning, and I love you. Over and over and over. And, and you over just again. sing it. Until- I sing it over and over, giving them germex as they come in and a big hug. <laughs> And then you see the pull tooth that fell out and my baby brother was born. And that was just a couple of things today. Yeah. It's just a way that you, yeah. you see them. Yeah. Or if they're coming in, I forgot to brush my teeth. Oh, I'm so sorry. You have stinky breath. Yeah. <laughs> I it forgot is breakfast. Is. Great. Let's go get some. I have some in here. Oh. So whatever it is, you know, they come in with a lot of baggage. Yeah. <laughs> Exciting and hard. Yeah. Yeah. I want to speak to that. I want to talk about that for just a minute. You guys are seeing things and experiencing things with students in levels, like to your point, that anxiety, depression's up. You're seeing pain in kids' eyes that we don't see. How do you carry that burden? How do you, how do you deal with that? How do you lay that down? How do you, you know, go back to next day? You know, I've said this a lot of times. We've had this conversation before of it's not necessarily my kids that keep me awake at night, right. my biological kids. It's my kids in my class. Those are the ones that I lay awake at night. Um, if I know there's been domestic violence at home mm-hmm. um, and waking in the night and feeling that burden to be praying immediately over them and drawing other believers in, you know, I've called um, Shelly and some of my other close friends said, I need you to join me in prayer right now over this situation. Mm. And, um, or whatever the case may be, um, they, and, and they're, they, they carry a lot and they tell us everything. Um, I always tell my parents, I'll believe 50% of what you hear and, yeah. if you believe 50% of what you hear because they're going to give us the full story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it can be it can be heavy sometimes and keep us awake at night because of the thing. Sometimes it's not that heavy. Sometimes it's exciting things. Sure. It could just be, how am I going to help this kid who is clearly needs to be labeled with something like something as simple as ADD or something, you know. And how can we walk through that with them and getting the parents on board? And but sometimes it's really heavy stuff. Even with those little kindergartners, with the littles, yeah, boo headies, yeah. Shelley, what about you? You know, um, my three and four year olds, for the most part, they don't. You know, they yeah. want to play blocks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're different. The the junior high and the high school. Um, I definitely see a lot more of their burdens. Um, as I see a lot more confusion. 
mm. from kids of where do I fit in? Where, you know, where do I belong? Who are my friends? Um, who can I trust? Um, and that's, that's, it's hard to watch. It's hard mm. to watch a hurting, broken, mm-hmm. um, wounded kid mm-hmm. um, try to find their place in the world and try to find it with things that don't have eternal value um, or, you know, yeah. trying to find a place where is not the best fit for them. Like that, okay, I think I love not to interrupt you, but I think that that would be so hard as a teacher when you know that thing is an empty well. That mm-hmm. thing is not. But yet, what do you do in those situations, Shelley? I mean, you know, we don't have a lot of control. Right. That. <laughs> so for me, I mean, it, it, it. I think it just rests the same as it rests in trust and, and prayer. I mean, mm-hmm. God loves these kids more than I do. Right. I mean, God loves my own children more than I do. Mm-hmm. So hard to imagine, but um, but he does. And so, you know, just praying over those kids that they will— see a tangible moment, you know, that, that the Lord is with them, that trusting that the Lord has covered their steps today and tomorrow. Um, I just, just surrendering that, you know, and trying to keep, and I keep doing this and you can't see it, but trying to keep an open hand Uh with those things that, that are not mine to claim for them, you know, but I can pray over them. I can love them. I can, I can give them a hug. I can give them a smile, even a safe place. And, um, I don't know if that answers that. But. Yes, it's so helpful. It reminds me of something a mentor said to me one time in my field, just in pastoring and in and, and ministry, I feel the same burden at times of like, that is a fire you're stepping into and I can't stop you from doing it. And he said to me, he said, Laura, what will help you sleep at night is recognizing that you're not responsible for them you're responsible to them. And so my responsible to my responsibility to them is how God defines it. And it can change. And for each person, it might be unique. What is my responsibility to them? Sometimes it's to put them in the hand of a counselor. Sometimes it's just to listen to them. Sometimes it's to teach, whatever it is. But that has, for whatever reason, helped lift a burden off of me. Because if I, I can't imagine teaching kindergartners because the weight you just want to hold them. I would. I mean, sometimes I mean, they, you may want to, you know, put them in time out, but it's like you just, there's. <laughs> Give them extra recess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keep drawing. But it's like there's a vulnerability about that, those little ones too, that I think would be, sometimes I feel like I would crater under the weight if I didn't remember that, that there's a God, like Shelly says, that loves them more than I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What keeps you coming back? Because <laughs> it's a hard profession to be in it's right a now. hard profession. Yeah. We've, yeah. And it is a hard profession. Yeah. Teachers are levels. leaving mm-hmm. left and right for lots of different reasons to go, but it's just hard. It's a hard profession. So mm-hmm. what keeps you coming back? Well, so I've always had a passion for young parents in that phase of life. That was the hardest phase of life for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've I've always loved working with kids, but then I also have a passion for helping parents through parenting young mm-hmm. ones. I mean, you're like ships passing in the night, you're exhausted. Seriously. And your roommates at best sometimes. You're trying and, to keep them alive. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. And nobody's, Mm-mm. there's not a book Mm-mm. that's to, 
really can tell you what to do. Yeah. Everything's a guessing game. And so I just want to encourage moms and, and say, you're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. You're doing a great job. And, and to feel good about who they are mm-hmm. and who their kids are becoming. Um, and so I lo- while I love working with the kids, I love seeing the growth that they have on all the levels, academically, um, you know, emotionally, mentally, how they're treating one another. We work a lot on how to, at our level, at my level, we're working a lot on how to be kind and respectful and use nice words. And how can we talk through that? And mm-hmm. how could we speak in a different tone of voice and convey what we need? And, um, but I, I, I really want to be an advocate for the little kids and then just encourage parents mm-hmm. that you're, that you're doing great. You're doing great. And so if I can speak that truth over them and encourage them and walk them along or walk alongside them, you know, it's a win. It's a win. Yeah. It's a win for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that you said advocate because that's the word that's in my head (laughs) for my kids is, is I do, I feel like I want to advocate for their needs, Mm. for their wants, for what's going to, um, help them reach their full potential. Ugh. Um, and so I'm so, going to be a snotty mess over here. <laughs> yes. So that, that's, that's why I keep coming. Cause I feel like I keep coming. I, I keep getting invited to the table somehow or mm. another. And so mm. I feel like, okay, maybe I have something yeah, to, to share here. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe I have some insight. Um, and our special needs, and this is across the board in the state of Texas is growing and multiplying and Exponentially. Exponentially. Yes, and so, Shelly, your field that you're in specifically mm-hmm. is hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard because I met with the, the spoke with the director of our special education department. And it's, I'm like, how can we help you? How can we come alongside? It's like, it's like, don't, don't tell, don't pat me on the back. I need more people. Yes. I literally yes. need more help. And you know, it's interesting because because I feel that way. When you're saying that, I'm like, yes, we need more hands. We need more feet. And then I'm like, I'm thinking in my head just right now, I'm like, that's what we are. We're the mm-hmm. hands and feet mm-hmm. of Christ. Totally. That's, that's our calling. And that's how I feel my calling is here to be the hands and feet of Christ. But it is, I mean, the rewards of having a three-year-old who's nonverbal, who comes to school with no previous mm. experience of being in a school building, of being in a desk, in a chair, and, you know, doing circle time, singing the good morning song, seeing their change from coming in to that with no real awareness to the end of the year, coming in and singing mm. and saying hello and hanging their backpack up. I mean, that is huge. Massive. It's huge. And it, uh, it, it really does fill me to be able to see their growth from the beginning to the end of one year of we are making really great strides, you know, and um, I don't want to miss that. Uh, that's what I was about to say, Shelley, is that none of us, especially the three of us, are in our fields because of the paycheck. <laughs> we're just not. We're in our field despite the paycheck. And the truth is, it's like I think of that every time in my field, just in ministry and teaching. And when you see light bulbs come on and you see them connect with God in a way they hadn't before. It's like, well, that's all the paycheck you need. Mm -hmm. And so I just know for both of you, um, God is faithful 
to give you the insight that you need, especially probably on a darkest day. He's just sweet and faithful like that. For sure. To let you see one kid unzip the backpack correctly yeah. or do what, or one kid smile and be comforted or, or what have you. And so I want to say thank you on behalf of all of us across the world ever born. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for being teachers as long as God calls you to this profession. We are so, so, so grateful. I'm so grateful. Um, my kids have had a tremendous experience, not a perfect one, but a tremendous one. And I just want to say thank you because mm-hmm. it is a mission field unlike any other, yeah. really unlike any other. And you guys have said yes. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing too, thinking about why you do it. At my level for kindergarten, moms are terrified. Think of when you took your oh. Ben and Beth the first day of kindergarten. <laughs> ben soothed me. Oh, said, terrible. pull it together, mom. A box of Kleenex Horrible. every year the first day. Mainly for myself. Yep. I'm still, I still cry every year with my kids. We still mm-hmm. have to have our... Yes. I, I actually, I cry at graduation <laughs> when, when my kids graduate. Not my <sighs> personal children, but my children that yeah. I see and you oh, see when they walk across through. the stage. Yes, yes they yeah. did it. It's, oh, that makes they did it. Yeah. <laughs> and so my entry level for me is I want those parents to feel safe that I can look you in the face mm. and say, I promise to love your baby and take care of them. I want the best for them. And you can trust me with them. Do you say that li- directly to him? Yes. I think if every teacher meet, yeah. said that, yeah, I can't even tell you what that would have done for me to hear that. I mean, my kids are in high school now, and I still, my son has Tina's husband, Nathan, for a teacher right now. Uh, world geography? World. World history? Advanced placement world. What uh, is it? I don't even know, understand history. the title. It's so above my <laughs> head and pay grade. Advanced placement, world history, world history. So Nathan yeah. is one of ben, my Ben son's favorite teachers of all time. And I'll tell you what Nathan did the other day that made Ben feel seen, secure, safe, and soothed is <laughs> they're just, they're silly. Nathan is silly with his students, which is a blessing. He has fun with them. But they were talking, somehow they started talking about apples. Do you know this story? I don't. Okay. And Ben said, <laughs> have you ever had, he, I guess, I don't know if Mr. War was eating an apple or what. They were talking about apples. And Ben said, do you, um, have you ever had a cosmic crisp apple? And Nathan was like, no. Uh-uh. And he was like, you haven't lived until you've eaten a cosmic crisp <laughs> apple. That night, Nathan went to HEB, bought one, took a picture eating it and sent it to Ben <laughs> that night. And if you could have seen Ben Seifert's face and he was like, mom, he, he did that. Like he did, he took the time. And I was like, here's the truth. He's learning a gazillion things in that class that, that, but the thing that he's learning most is, um, it's just a deeper, it's deeper. Yeah. Connection. Yeah. yeah. Connection, mm-hmm. Shelly. Yes. You know, and I love, I love hearing that story because I'm thinking about, you know, we hear all the negative stories, you know, and that's what Thank we hear. You. And yes. that's what takes precedence and forefront. And yep. we blow that up to be like, that's the majority. And it's not. No. If I could just say it's not, the majority is teachers are here because they, despite the paycheck, yep. because they feel a calling to be here. They feel a love for children. They feel a connection. And that, when you when you say that story about Ben, I just, I think that's mm-hmm. that's what it is. But we don't hear those stories right. because they don't make the news and they don't make the mm-hmm. headlines. What we hear is the negative. And so anyway, that I think is that's a, a small portion. That is a good word because when you just hear the negative, it's like, what do you want to do? You want to be the best parent hunker down, pull them out, do whatever you have to do. And so that's really the heart behind why I wanted to bring you guys on today, because I want to give moms hope and dads hope that there are 
God is placing sweet teachers all throughout these public schools to love your kid and to educate your kid and to connect your kid to to who they're meant to be. Even if you, this is what I love, is I know Shelly and Tina, even if you never say the name Jesus, well, <laughs> to students, you will be in heaven and there will be a slew of lives that are changed and you're yeah. going to go, oh, and I pray that you see a lot of those lives this side of heaven, but I'm quite convinced that you're going to be amazed at the impact that you've had. My kids are just two of them. So thank you. It is a joy to be able to speak truth to parents who would never cross the threshold of a church. That's right. They would never come into a church. And we look at them That's and know right. that I can speak truth to you and love and grace and mercy and never, ever speak the name of Jesus. That's right. But you've heard the truth before you've left my classroom. And every year we take time to lay all of our kids down on the floor and pray over them and pray that every person that comes in that classroom somehow experiences his grace and mercy and love and that they can just smell the fragrance coming out of that room Mm -hmm. and, and be drawn to who he is without even knowing why, you know, just because of what's happening in there. Like, I don't know what this is. I just know I want more of it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. For sure. That's our prayer. Please, Jesus, let that be so that they want more. Yeah. And I think Jesus is so winsome on his own that he's like, if you'll just trust me with these kids, listen, I'm not laying this on your back, Tina, that you've got to make sure that they get all that they need. You can't meet all their needs. But what you can do is you're praying for them. You're on the front lines. You're singing over them. You're loving them. Shelly, you're helping them. It's like you guys are advocating. When you said advocate, that's what brought me to tears because that's the way Jesus describes himself. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is our great advocate. And so anyway, I can't, I can't thank you enough. Here's one of, is there anything else that we've left off that you would want people to know that we haven't gotten to? Okay. I don't think so. Well, here's the way, and uh, hopefully you read this. Oh, this is a moment. We got the stage. We can say whatever we want. What is it going to be? This is exciting. Oh, man, I've got something to say. Let me just tell you. <laughs> well, here's the way we always, I always end the podcast. I ask the same question to any guest I have. When is the most recent time you experienced God in an unexpected way? Like he showed up for you and you saw him in a way that you weren't necessarily looking for. Can you share can you each share an example? Yeah. So I, um, you know, first I want to encourage parents to be faithful about praying, whether you homeschool or send to public school, that you are obedient to whatever that calling is. Yep. But for parents who are, I'm going to get emotional about yeah. this, so you'll have to bear with me. But for parents who are um, sending their kids to public school and teaching them those biblical truths at home, I need you to know that they are disciples to us, to me specifically. Mm -hmm. So um, a few weeks ago, I was just having a really hard time because like you said, teaching is hard right now Mm -hmm. on all levels. It's hard Mm -hmm. emotionally, mentally, financially. It's really hard. Um, And I felt super discouraged really discouraged. And I, in my quiet time that morning had said, Lord, I really need you to make yourself known and apparent to me and, and help me with this day of why I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. 
And um, so I went to school and right off the bat had a former student come in and bring me a letter that she had drawn a picture and a letter. And, it, and the gist of it was, I love you and God loves you. And that started my morning off. Oh. But then a little bit later, I had some former students come by and they just came by and said, I just need to come in and give you a hug. I miss seeing you. And and I know those families well now, and they come from very strong, faithful families. And to be able to call those moms and say that your kids were disciples to me mm. today, they gave me encouragement today that I needed to stay in the trenches and keep doing what I'm doing. Um, and had they not been obedient to send their kids, I wouldn't have gotten that. Oh, I love that. So it was really a sweet, sweet gift for that day that I needed. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, mine's a little different. Um, <laughs> I got nothing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mine's a little different, but mine I love was it. super encouraging um, to me. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, you know, it was rodeo time. Yeah. And uh, I got to go be a part of um, the field trip for our high school uh, special education classes, right? To go uh-huh. to rodeo and to be a part of that. Well, um, we started off saying we, we didn't get to ride the bus, so we were going to drive our own car. I was with the, another coworker of mine, and we, we said, we'll follow you. Well, of course, you know, we got separated. So we parked in one parking lot that was literally opposite of the parking lot that our school, school buses <laughs> got off on. Yeah. And so, and we didn't have a ticket because the class had the tickets. <laughs> so we were trying to figure out how do we get over there? We were asking people, you know, no one knew. They were like, well, you're gonna have to buy a ticket. Well, we didn't, we didn't have any cash. You know, we didn't, couldn't buy a ticket. And we were kind of like, oh my gosh, we just wasted all this time. We can't even be with our kids. This is terrible. And so anyway, this one lady who worked at the rodeo, she said, you know what? She heard us. She overheard us. She said, you know, what? I hear what, what's happening just get in my golf cart. I'm going to take you around the other side. And we were like, oh gosh, this is great. So we got in the golf, golf cart and we went all the way to the other side. Well, the class had gotten tired of waiting on us because it's t- taken us a while. So. <laughs> so, and they had tickets. Yeah, they had tickets. So they went ahead and went in, you know? And so um, anyway, so one teacher stood, hung back to wait for us because we kept saying, we're on our way. We're coming. We're in this personal escort, you know, the golf cart, whatever. So we get there and she said, oh, I'm sorry, by the way, I forgot to tell you we actually don't have your tickets. You actually have to buy your ticket and then we'll just reimburse you with our, you know, our school funds. And we were like, oh, we should have just bought a ticket over there. We don't have any money to get a ticket. So anyway, we end up going to the um, to the ticket booth to just ask, how much is a ticket? Can we get a ticket? I don't, maybe we can figure this out. And we were kind of talking amongst ourselves. There were three of us together. And um, I was telling the lady in the ticket booth, hey, I think we're gonna need three tickets. What? what how much is that? What are we gonna do? And this lady just comes walking up to us and she did not, I didn't see her come up. I have no idea. I don't think she was a part of what was going on, but she said, Hey, um, we have some extra tickets. Do you guys need some? And I said, we do. And she said, well, I only have three. Uh. And I said, wait, we only need three. (laughs) She was like, Oh, well look at that. And she just turned around and started walking off. And so I, I touched her and I said, Hey, thank you so much. I need you to know such a gift for you to give those to us today because we're here supporting our special education class. And so we're on a field trip. And she said, you're kidding. I'm a retired special education teacher. right now. (laughs) She did. And so she said, I'm so glad that I was able to give you those tickets to get in. And it was just, 
I I mean it was a I mean it's, it's not a silly no. moment, but it's a it's a one of those orchestrated moments that I never could have planned. I couldn't have I couldn't have you know, couldn't have planned it out. And so we were walking by, and I you know it's a favorite story. Just just happened, but of kind of replaying that, and it just reminds me that. You know, I'm here because I want to serve people and I want to help people. But I also have to remember that people, other people are called by the Lord too, and yep. they want to serve me. Yeah. And oh. if I can just let go and allow them and trust that the Lord sees me, that he's going to send other people to care for me too. Mm-hmm. And um, it just was a sweet moment and kind oh. of thinking through that a little bit deeper. But I yeah. love it. He's intimately acquainted with all of our ways. <laughs> it's like... And radio just, tickets. Yes. Radio <laughs> tickets. It's like, does he really care about that? He yes. really cares about it. He, he did. He absolutely does. Mm-hmm. Y'all are the best. Thank you for being on the show today. The show, I don't know if it's the show, it's the podcast, whatever it is. Thank you for coming. You drove all the way down. Um, I just can't thank you enough. So I know that this has been encouraging. It's been encouraging to me. And I know it's been encouraging to the tens of people that will listen. <laughs> This, hey, this puppy's going viral. This is going to go. Anyway, I know it's going to be really encouraging. So thanks, you guys. I appreciate you being here. And thanks, y'all, for listening. Join us again on another edition of It's Like This. Thanks, y'all. Thanks for listening. I hope that you are enjoying It's Like This, Conversations with Laura Seifert, a podcast made possible through the financial partners of Yes Ministries, people just like you. Yes Ministries exists to draw all women closer to Jesus. We do so by providing free Bible studies, online encouragement through our social media platforms, and by providing a podcast just like this one to women in all places and all walks of life. That's right, we do all of those things and we offer them free so that everyone can draw closer to Jesus without the hindrance of a dollar sign. But to do that, we need partners like you. Giving to God's work draws us closer to Jesus. Giving to God's work draws us closer to His people. And giving to God's work draws us into His story. And if you would like to be drawn in, we would love for you to give and partner with us. You can do so in two different ways. One, through our Venmo account, which is at LSYES. Or you can visit our website online, yesministries.net. Thanks again. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of It's Like This. And most importantly, though, I hope that you find it helpful in your own discovery of God. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post it on social media, or leave a rating and review. And to catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Laura Seifert Yes, which is L-A-U-R-A-S-E-I-F-E-R-T-Y-E-S. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.